Hi, this is Rob Dietz. I'm Jason Bradford. And I'm Asher Miller. Welcome to Crazy Town, where Mad Max goes for a beer at the end of a long day of scrounging fuel. Hey, Rob and Jason, I'm sorry uh, to drag you guys back into your your studios. We don't have a single <laughs> studio anymore. Um, That's a very generous, generous idea for what my bedroom is. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I pulled you out of your garden, Jason. I don't know what the hell, Rob, you were doing, but I know you have other <laughs> things to do. Um, and uh, and I know we already recorded an episode that was going to come out this week, and here I am asking to like totally change the schedule and all that. But I just... I feel like we need to talk about this new film that just came out and all the controversy that's been engendered since. Yeah. So I'm talking about the Planet of the Humans film that came out recently. And yeah, I wanted to share my thoughts about it, get a good chance to like drop some F-bombs with you guys instead of with my <laughs> kids. Um, let's do it. I've got some pretty strong feelings about it. Okay, well, let's go over this. So the quick the quick highlights are, if you haven't seen this, or to remind you, it came out on Earth Day. It was directed by this longtime environmental activist, Jeff Gibbs, and the executive producer was Michael Moore. And it makes the argument that renewables are bad and climate activists and enviros have been complicit in this false promise, potentially because there are these billionaires who are backing this. So it, it kind of portrays this as that these things aren't necessarily any better than fossil fuels, and uh, we've all been duped to think that we can green tech our way out of our dilemma. Fair, fair enough? I think that's a, that's a fair summary. But can I just say that I feel like I got kind of tricked into watching this because it was sort of this special Earth Day release. And so we wanted to watch a movie as, as a family. So, Oh, no, you didn't watch it as a family, <laughs> did you? Yeah, so my my wife and my 14-year-old stepdaughter... So she got to see this orangutan dying at the end. Spoiler alert, people. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> well, that that uh, hardly compares to the cow and the horse that were dropped into the grinders <laughs> somewhere in the middle. Like, what, what was that all? Anyway, um, no, it, it, was, it was a really weird viewing experience because... You know, of course, if you're watching an Enviro film, you expect some doom and gloom. I mean, that's just, you know, that's part of a part of our trade here, I'm afraid. But it really went to this level of despair and depression. And uh, I, the way we watched it, I found myself having to pause it every so often and go, well, that fact seems a little uh, not factual. And that, uh, you know, so it was a it was a very strange Earth Day celebratory viewing experience. Let me just leave it surreal, okay? And uh, yeah. have, did your stepdaughter stop talking to you after you made her watch it? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think she went catatonic for a while. But, uh, but you know, the, the, the young are resilient, so uh, unlike the uh, energy sector. So she, she's bounced back pretty well. Yeah. Well, beyond the, the personal experience of watching this movie... I really did want to participate in this conversation, this podcast with the two of you because of how much it ties to what I think of as the the ongoing threads that we've been trying to weave with Crazy Town. This movie brings, it's like an integrating force if you really want to look at 
things like the circular firing squad on the left when it comes to, to climate change and other issues. Oh, yeah. We've had we've had an episode uh, fairly recently about delusion on the left and de- denial on the right. And and that's relevant here. We've talked about eco fascism. That's relevant here. There's just all these things. You know, go back to our energy episode from season one. Totally relevant to the topic. Solar here. roads, baby. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's so much uh, that we've been discussing that I think you can make a lot of points based on the both what's right in this film and what's what's wrong in it. I, I had this thing where I'm going, "Hey, I'm glad someone's doing this," but we did it. We said it first. We said it. <laughs> we we've been talking well, these these carpet baggers. You know. <laughs> That's an understandable reaction. My my the reason I really want to talk about it honestly is just to process maybe the frustration I'm feeling because on the one hand I'm really glad that there's that this has sparked a discussion hopefully around the role of renewable energy, right? And has put the you know the climate movement and in particularly the larger environmental organizations I don't necessarily want them on the defensive just to, for the sake of being defensive, but forced to kind of reckon with these questions because we've seen so much of this rah, 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 100% renewable rhetoric that is not being questioned by folks sort of on, on the left. And so on the one hand, I'm really glad for that. But on the other hand, I'm just so incredibly frustrated. I'm frustrated by how poorly this film was made, the really, really kind of unforgivable errors in it. And then the reaction on the part of kind of environmentalists and and folks in the climate camp, you know, is also incredibly disappointing. Yeah. Give us some, I I wanted some examples of that reaction. What have you dug up? Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's reaction from people like Bill McKibben, who we know well, who he's a post-carbon Institute fellow. We've known him for a long time. He's in the film, right? And he had a reaction that was sort of responding to the accusations that are made against him because he was really cast in, in an incredibly poor light, and I think unfairly. Can we just say that he was cast as Darth Vader in, in this of. movie? <laughs> I mean, he was thrown under the the bus, uh, which was probably fueled by biodiesel or animal fat or something. But yeah, he was <laughs> he was beaten down. And for, yeah. for folks who don't know, there are things I disagree with Bill on, and I've talked to him about it, but a well-intentioned guy you know, kinder guy, it's going to be hard to find somebody like that, you know, in the, in the climate movement. So what a strange villain to pick. Yeah. But so, you know, Bill's responded, uh, Richard Heinberg, who we obviously we work very closely with because he works at PCI. He also uh, also wrote kind of a review and he was in the film. He was actually, ca- you know, characterized as one of the good guys in the film. And he, he wrote something, but I'm really thinking about a really strong negative reaction from a lot of people, some of them luminaries kind of in the climate space. A lot of, of pieces and kind of environmental climate uh, online website and publications. Maybe I'll uh, just give as an example, Earther, a uh, guy there named Brian Kahn. This is what he wrote about it, which I, th- I felt was like so emblematic. Here's what he said. He said, Gibbs uses this situation to take a leap to population control is the only solution. Yes, renewables are bad and so are billionaires and the corporate philanthropic industrial complex. So Gibbs concludes, we should probably just get rid of some humans ASAP. Over the course of the movie, he interviews a cast of mostly white experts who are mostly men to make that case. It's got a bit more than a whiff of eugenics and ecofascism, 
which is com- a completely bonkers takeaway from everything presented. If renewables are so bad, then what does a few million less people on the planet going to do? End quote. Wow. <laughs> that, I mean, I watched this and I didn't see that at all. I mean, yes, sure, it was a lot of white guys. There was some women in, interviewed and stuff. But I didn't get the sense that there was any kind of eugenics or argument here at all. This seems to be like a credible leap. We talked about that in our ecofascism episode. It's like there's this strain that's happening within the the climate space, I think, because rightly a a big concern about climate justice issues. And the fact is, look, there may have been some women but they're all white people. There's not a single yeah. person of color other but than Vanna Va- Shiva. She just, you know, yeah. in, in, a woman from India. But um, shutting down all talk about population as a concern, because people on the far right have have used that in some cases to espouse really hor- horrific views. Yeah, and we won't get into that because we've already did that, you know, in that in that episode. Right, right. But it's just like shutting down all conversation about population or limits because you're a white guy saying it, I guess. And that means you're a fascist. That makes me really angry. I mean, of course, I want to hear from a a diversity of people. Of course, we want to have everybody talking about what we need to do as as populations. But it seems really strange for the guy you're talking about. I don't know, Brian Kahn, but to say that Gibbs said we have to get rid of some humans ASAP. He didn't say that, and he didn't say say that that we need to get rid of people who have more pigment in their skin than those who have less. Like I, I I that was not there. So, and he wasn't talking about a few million people as though that would make all the difference in the world. Would make a difference. Pretty dismissive, (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, so that's interesting. So I think this is you know it's a weird situation because. It's not like Gibbs is not an environmentalist or doesn't isn't worried about climate change. He he cares deeply about all these things, and yet now he's being attacked because he the the film is slaughtering some sacred cows of that movement, um, especially sorry. the one they put in the grinder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, but of course. Very somewhat predictably, there is tremendous, and I get to use this German word that we all love, shot. Schadenfreude. Wow. The pronunciation sucked, dude. You could just say Schadenfreude. I don't know German, but uh, that's... Schadenfreude. Is that... Nice try. Let's move on. Okay. Do we know what that means? Yeah, that's that's where you take pleasure in seeing somebody else in pain. Like like your, your enemy or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, so the, the the climate denier kind of right wing think tanky folks are kind of you know, like just gleefully passing this film around, and there was this uh, great title from the Competitive Enterprise Institute that was basically a hurry see Planet of the Humans before it's banned, you know, saying like uh, the left is going to get this banned, and then they had this uh, great quote in the middle of their uh, of their their blog about this quote a better title for the film would be. The Luddite left eats the climate industrial complex. (laughs) Every type of green energy is exposed as phony, useless, and inextricably dependent on fossil fuel production and large-scale hard rock mining. And, you know, and in many sense, that's actually a pretty good summary of the film, too. I'm like, okay, you're right. 
This, this, uh, I could have lost my life in a bet here. Because if you'd have asked me to bet my life around the idea of the Competitive Enterprise Institute or the Heartland Institute or any of these sort of climate denial groups trying to move people to watch a Michael Moore movie. Yeah, it's uh, amazing. Know, yeah. I would have put down some serious coin and possibly my life in that bet because yeah. uh, no way, yeah. no way, but, but here we are. Yeah. But of course, we're, you know, and Cher is, is tearing his hair out. He's got a lot of hair. We don't, Robin and I don't, but he does. And he's tearing his hair out because the reaction on both sides is just freaking idiotic. And the movie has enough faults in it that drive you crazy that you like, if only they had done a better job, yeah. um, that they didn't set themselves up to be so easy of a target. You know? Right. Well, let's, let's look at that real quickly. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be article after article fact checking this movie, but on a first time viewing, you can see that they're looking at some old footage and some old technology in this movie. Jeff Gibbs was, some of these interviews must have been, what, eight, nine, ten years old? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, or older even, I think. And I also, the thing that really struck me was Ozzy Zenner was the guy, sort of his science uh, informer. Yeah, sidekick. Yeah, I mean, he, he was the one kind of saying, well... These power plants don't do what we thought they would do. We're replacing coal plants with natural gas, not with solar, kind of on and on. And he made it sound like you are better off just burning coal than using fossil fuels to make any kind of solar technology. He was basically talking about, again, we don't need to get into the technical stuff. There's there's a lot of conversation about, you know, the fact that you need you need backup fossil fuel power sources because of intermittency issues. And the thing that I think the most egregious comment probably that, that Ozzy had said was basically saying that this, you know, I don't, I don't remember which renewable installation this was, but basically saying it had zero net energy. Do you know what I mean? As in like you're yeah. consuming more energy than you were producing. Right. I think he was saying that about the Ivanpah solar plant in the Mojave Desert. And he may be right. It's, you know, these yeah. kinds of studies. We, we checked with people we know, David Blittersdorf. Uh, he directed us to some work from Charles Hall. We know that our energy return on energy investment or net energy, like you're talking about a share, is, is hard to calculate. It depends where you draw boundaries. It's complicated stuff. But this movie sort of just dismisses it with, you know, a, a sentence just says you'd be better off burning the coal directly than right. than doing any kind of renewable or attempt at a renewable energy plant. Yeah. I mean, what gets me about the sort of ham fisted misuse of information the film has is it just sets themselves up for actually what are irrelevant critiques. Like, I don't care that much about them making that mistake except for the fact that it sets them up for being less credible. Their their broader points are fine, right? Well, in fact, the broader points are getting missed because of the exactly. errors in these specific arguments and points that they're making, you know? And then, right. yeah, it's, it's, it's not only unfortunate, I feel like it's almost indefensible that Gibbs didn't... He may have started this project many, many years ago. It was a labor of love. I believe that. I think his intentions were probably good um, and can probably continue to be good. I'm going to give the guy the benefit of the doubt there. You're going to do for him what he failed to do with Bill McKibben. <laughs> yeah, I am. And, and I think that 
probably low budget working this on the side. You know, he, he has other things that he's been doing over the last 10 years. But as he was getting near to finishing this, this puppy up, your job is to, is to make sure that what you put in the film is factually correct. And, and the truth is that a lot has changed in the renewable sector, you know, in the last decade. It doesn't change the underlying question or premise that's being brought up here, which is, can you perpetuate industrial civilization on these incredibly resource intensive, you know, sources of energy, right? And yeah. that big question. And I'm glad they hit that. I mean, that was the part of the film I think they got right. That they basically was like, no, you can't. And that was kind of a relief for me to see a film do that. So I was like, okay, yeah. I mean, we've been trying to hammer through Crazy Town podcast and through PCI's books. I mean, what was that, the kind of coffee table book that PCI had out that was like the kind of the extreme energy book? Yeah, um, it was called Energy Over Development and the Delusion of Endless Growth. I mean, I'm going... Yeah, flip through the pages of that book, and it's very similar to the images from this film. And so this is the message we've been hammering for years since PCI was founded. And I was kind of glad to see that get its play on uh, something that was getting millions of downloads. Fine. And so that's what I think it got right, that these environmental groups, these climate groups are offering these technical solutions, what we've kind of referred to as sort of the eco-modernist promise, right? Rather than sort of looking at the underlying systems change that's required and the, the fact that we have to reduce the size of our economy. We can't keep growing our way out of these problems. Yeah. And I would say too, tell me if I'm wrong uh, with, with your opinions, but I would say all three of us would be disappointed in the large environmental organizations for the way they've fallen off in talking about that very issue, the, that if we are searching for continuous exponential growth of the economy, which means increasing population and increasing consumption, that we're not going to solve climate, we're not going to solve any of the issues, biodiversity, resource use, whatever, pick your environmental issue. And the environmental organizations, the Sierra Clubs, 350.org, they've basically put aside any mention of those arguments, or at least they, they, it, they've sidelined it. Yeah. What, are you seeing anything to share from the reaction of the mainstream environmental community? Are, is anyone taking this on board, or how, how are they responding? Is there anyone responding with nuance yet or understanding? I haven't seen a lot of nuance um, I haven't, you know, been been tracking all the groups closely, but I, I've seen. I think most of the response I've seen so far is is defensiveness, and part of that I have to say is not just the fact that they've staked their work and their reputations on this renewable energy transition, and so this is a direct attack. But literally, there were direct attacks in this film. I thought, yeah, yeah. pretty unkind. I mean, it's one thing to look at Al Gore and the fact that, that Gore has gone into venture capital deals with, with people and, and critique that. I think there's a reasonable critique there. It's another thing to basically say, look, some of these renewable, some of these environmental groups have been championing natural gas. They were very mm -hmm. large environmental groups for, for years were championing natural gas as a bridge fuel. 
right? That's yeah. what they were promising, yeah. and and played a role in promoting you know kind of fracking technologies for natural gas. Yeah. And in fact, and then this is a whole other story. That was part of the reason why we started our work looking at the the feasibility, the long term feasibility of of fracking as a solution, because they were making assumptions about about decades and decades of this stuff. Do you know what I mean? So right. that to me is also a reasonable critique. You can raise questions about getting in bed with some of these funds about, you know, to try to offer people means and, and Sierra Club stuff where they're selling shit, you know, yeah. as fundraising has always bothered me a little bit. You know, I think you can take a critique of that. But when you do sort of personal attacks on people, and I'm not just trying to like defend people who I happen to know and like, you know, I'm trying to be sensitive about that. But what is the purpose of, of saying Bill McKibben is, you know, somehow implying that he's in bed with billionaires or something? Do you know what I mean? That's a far more compelling way to do it, right? I mean, that's the Michael Moore method, that, that gotcha moment yeah. where you've confronted somebody and make them look kind of silly, right? Now, you could yeah. do that if you if you talked about, like, I, I think that there's a real critique of kind of support for bio biomass that that I think has changed over the last 10 years. This is part of the problem of, of taking right. footage from a decade ago. Do you know what I mean? Because right. people have gotten wiser about these things. How was that ever considered a good idea by the Enviro? We can have a whole other conversation <laughs> about bioenergy and capture, which is a huge element of all these plans that are being presented for how we're oh going to try to keep. So it's still yeah. a big the, the problem. IPCC, the IPCC reports are absurd. Right. There are big problems there. But but a lot of yeah. these people, Bill McKibben himself went through, you know, from from when Middlebury put in kind of this new heating system to to where he is now. There's been an evolution. People's views change. It was 15 years ago, people were touting ethanol as like a magic solution. Right. And I think they should be critiqued for not having a really systemic, you know, understanding and thinking through the implications of things and challenged about that, but attacking them as somehow being like a you know, part of this cabal. Even people like, it is easy to vilify billionaires. There are plenty of billionaires to vilify. But but going after you know Jeremy Grantham and basically saying, oh, this is all, he's just doing this to try to make money. Just in the interest of disclosure, you know, PCI has gotten funding, a, a small amount of, moderate amount of funding from, from Grantham. And I've met with a guy, you know, a number of times. And uh, that's not his motivation. So it's just really unfortunate. And I think that that feeds part of this huge response. And it makes it really problematic that there's so many sloppy things about the film, so many sort of unfair things about the film, that the big takeaway the big argument, the big thing to debate is sort of being lost in the weeds of these kind of silly details and attacks and bad information. I, you know, I think what's interesting is to contrast the tactic of this film versus our renewable future. Yeah. <laughs> what's amazing is, of course, that was not an international bestseller. No. But it tried to it tried to give the same message in a way that was more nuanced, more sensitive to the audience. And how did that go across? <laughs> Just for uh, listeners' benefit, our renewable future is a book by Richard Heinberg and David Fridley that has the premise: we have to be a hundred percent renewable, no matter what. One way or another, we're going to get there, either by design or by force. Uh, you can't 
use a, a non-renewable, depletable resource as your energy source forever. So they wrote this book and looked at what it would take to get a renewable energy economy and how that economy would end up being a lot different if it's powered by something like solar or wind. So you're right, Jason. It, it's, it's a similar premise, but a lot more nuanced and, and I think scholarly take on it. What it also does is it tries to actually frame for people, okay, if you accept this premise that we're going to have a power down, we're going to have to shrink the economy, what does that look like? What, what kind of steps should we be taking? So it does what the film doesn't do. The film leaves you hanging with these horrific, sad images of orangutans and in Borneo. And I, we actually started Crazy Town with a story from me seeing that, yeah. right? So I know how impactful, that, how horrible that is. And that's driven a lot by palm oil, which is, it was a biodiesel thing. It's horrible. But it doesn't leave you with the stuff that renewable, our renewable future does saying, hey, let's, if we're going to think about this, here's how we move through the stages of grief. And that's what I think the problem is, is like, this puts people in denial and anger, and it doesn't put them into, it doesn't give them the tools to go beyond that, to take the next steps and maybe come to PCI's worldview at some point. And that's sad. I have so many thoughts about this. Um, I'll try to keep it short. <laughs> I remember having a conversation with Doug Tompkins. You, you mentioned this big energy yes. book that we had done. And we di actually did that project with Doug. And he had a foundation before he passed away. And Doug's whole approach, for those who don't know, don't know, Doug was um, a very successful businessman, entrepreneur, started North Face, started Esprit, became very successful, but was from the very beginning a, a diehard adventurer and environmentalist. And conservation of wildlands was his primary focus for his life. But he was also a systems thinker, and he liked to do these huge projects where he would try to force people to sort of look at reality, right? That's why he reached out to us to work on this big energy book. And I remember we had this whole debate because this book is full of these just horrific images. You know, imagine this coffee table book <laughs> yeah, opened yeah. up, these horrific images of the impacts of energy extraction, all forms of it, frankly. Yeah, the mining for rare earth metals, yeah. And we kind of had this internal debate about, well, what do we leave people with? We, you know, we need to give them some hope. We need to give them some agency, some call to action. He's like, no, we don't need to do that because people need to kind of grapple with this reality. We're trying to do our piece, which is helping people to see that and make that visible. It's too simplistic. You're taking that away. You're taking the important angst moment that people have when they confront a reality. Do you know what I mean? And trying to leave that, alleviate that by giving them sort of a promise. And look, it was it was his money for this project, and I thought that that was a fairly sound kind of argument. I think Gibbs was probably trying to do the same thing with this film, right? He's in his right. mind, he's lifting the veil on something and trying to expose an important truth. And by the way, it's a truth we agree with in general principle, which is that yeah. climate is a symptom of a systemic problem. There are too many people consuming too much on this planet. We have built a system that requires growth. Renewable energy at scale is an industrial process that requires the full edifice, you know, every aspect of kind of this industrial extractive economy to maintain itself. So we agree with that. 
in the, and we have to completely, you know, shift our relationship with nature, with each other, our economic systems, where our food comes from, all that stuff. So agreeing with the premise is just this approach. I, I guess there's two things. One is taking this sensationalist approach is a real contrast to the approach that we, we took. It's debatable, which is more effective. Let's be honest, because yeah. we... We wrote this book. We sat down and we intentionally said, okay, we're going to call this our renewable future and we are not going to write, you know, something that is full of fire and brimstone, vilifying, attacking, dismissing renewable energy. We're not going to come up with a title for the book that was really controversial or provocative. We want it to be an invitation to people who shared this view that we need to have, you know, a future powered by renewable energy. And we did that very intentionally because we didn't want to close people's minds. We wanted their minds open, right? Right. But I think we paid a lot for that. And that was not doing something sensationalist, got a lot less attention. Let's be honest. That's the world that we live in. Do you know what I mean? So maybe there was a calculated choice on on Gibbs' part and Michael's more part to be over the top provocative. I wish they would do it with facts and not attacking people personally. You're spot on. I mean... Michael Moore is the highest grossing documentarian in history. There's a reason for that. But can you make better fucking films then? I mean, can you (laughs) not? You know what I mean? Like, it's so frustrating. I wish there was a fact checker in there for sure. I wish, hell, if we would have been involved more, I mean, aside from Richard being interviewed, if he had been given a... An early review opportunity, you know, to before the oh, final yeah. print was thrown in, you know, he yeah. would have had some things to say. Yeah, absolutely. It could have been yeah. better. So I, you know, I'm I'm upset and disappointed. I'm also glad that there was this conversation happening. But I got to say, I'm pretty deeply disappointed by the kind of response I'm seeing from the climate and environmental camp. I mean, for one thing, you know, you have Josh Fox, who's another documentary filmmaker, right, has done some great work looking at at fracking. His most famous film was called Gasland. And, you know, he essentially pushed for, I would almost call it censorship. I mean, he contacted, there's a group uh, called Films for Action that distributes lots of movies on, you know, online and does a great job of that. And he, and they were going to be the distributor for for this film. Yep. Uh, And he and a bunch of other people contacted them and, push them to pull the plug on it, which to me is a form of censorship. Write responses, critique. God knows Gibbs gave you lots of things to go after in this film. Write them. Do you know what I mean? Right. Have have a discussion about this thing. But to say, pull this. And they did pull it. They actually pulled it temporarily. And I have to give them a real shout out, a lot of credit, because they pulled it not having watched it, right, yeah. before. Yeah. Then they looked at it and they said, you know what? There's a, lots of problems with this thing, but we're going to put it out there because it's better to have a conversation. They put it back up. They wrote a statement. Yeah, it's a good I statement. really appreciated the statement that they wrote. And that's what we need to do. We need to have a discussion here. So try to shut down discussion either by saying, like, pull this film because of these inaccuracies or just blanket saying anybody who says population is an issue is a fascist, an eco-fascist. Come on, guys. You could do much better than that and take some responsibility for having ignored previous warnings that you've heard. We've talked with people about this before and said, you know, you running to the bank with some of these 
plans that are put together by Mark Jacobson. And by the way, Josh Fox is is connected to Mark Jacobson. So part of this, I think, for him is defense from that standpoint. We kind of took down Mark Jacobson in a previous episode, and he sued people. He sued he sued other scientists who critiqued his work. It was thrown out. And now Jacobson has to pay for the attorney fees of those people that he sued. Yeah. And, and Jacobson's whole point is he, he says it's a political issue. Renewables can power society. No problem. We just have to get past the politics. And we'll just get we, past all the tech, technological issues and we can totally afford it. It's, it's actually going to be cheaper to do. It's a very Pollyannish view of kind of this renewable energy transition. So the big, the big green environmental groups have really globbed onto this. And we at PCI have been warning them like, ah, stay away. Yeah. And I, I got to say, we don't want to exist in a doomer headspace by yeah. any means. It's not fun. It's not a good time, uh, except when we record this podcast. But the issue here is we talk with energy experts. I mean, people like David Fridley, who who wrote the book with Richard, Our Renewable Future, he's a, he's a scientist yeah. uh, working yeah, in the National Labs. Yeah, exactly. Right. He works at Berkeley National Labs, you know. We're trying to understand the reality that we face so that we can work toward something that makes sense as opposed to fantasies of the singularity or whatever right. uh, people want to pretend is coming next, harvesting the moon to, to right. make colonies in space. You know? I liked what a, a friend of ours, we, we forwarded a question to another friend of ours. I don't, I don't know if he wants to be quoted verbatim, but... He had a great response to all this, all the kerfuffle over the film. He basically said, this is what happens when you build a movement that a mile wide and six inches deep. So the environmental movement has not been thinking in systems, has not been making these connections, has basically been a shallow movement pushing these technological progress ideas. And they are so easy to topple when you scratch the surface even they fall apart. So it's kind of their own fault in some ways. And it very much saddens, saddens me that they went down this path for so long. And what saddens me is that maybe there's an opportunity here to have a nuanced conversation. But yeah. it is lonely in the middle, guys. Yeah, it is we feel kind not, of lonely. <laughs> yeah, it is not fun to sort of take this you know, more measured and, in my view, more realistic approach to the the. It's like the standing in the middle of a three ring circus, and there's craziness all around you. There's the there's the filmmaker that they messed up. There's the big enviros who are screaming, and then there's the the right wing think tanks like grinning like Cheshire cats. Yeah. it's freaking horrible, and we're going yeah. stop it. <laughs> I, I, this is great. I mean, you got uh, left-wingers calling for a Michael Moore movie to be censored. And then yeah. you got you got right-wingers saying, get we'll out and watch it. it before it gets banned. Right. What world do we live in? Right. And right. here we are in the middle of basically saying, guys, 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 stop Gosh. it. You're all wrong. You're right. <laughs> well, I got to say, it's a good thing that, that Richard Heinberg was a good guy in the movie. Yes. Otherwise, we'd really be going after Jeff Gibbs right now. No, I want to thank him <laughs> yeah. a bit for like actually helping the conversation move forward. It was a, fault, a faulty film, but you can fault it for these cosmetic reasons, and, but you can't fault the core message of it. Yeah, and I think if you watch it, I'm hopeful that uh, if, if you've heard us talking here first, you would watch it with that systems thinking idea in mind and understand that that some of what he's talking about yeah 
yeah, that's a valid premise. And then try to come away with it. I think you'll be depressed if you watch the movie. It's just depressing. But but then come away with it. Well, okay, what can I do? How can I engage? And I think one place you can do that is basically doing what we do, having conversations that reach into that messy middle, that that nuance, take a reality-based approach, you know, get some some scientific underpinnings and then think about moving toward building community resilience as yeah. as one of your best bets for weathering the coming storms. And champion absolutely champion renewable energy, preferably distributed small scale community yeah. owned. I mean there's ways of doing it right, there's ways of doing it wrong. Yep. You know, certain technologies are better than others and and energy in the hands of people is by far better than energy in the hands of large corporations and investment banks and all that stuff. And there's a lot of work that could be done to improve renewable energy systems so they maybe persist better without the subsidies from fossil fuels. But that's not even something we're asking. We're basically not even pushing the renewable energy research industry to go at that targeted-wise. And it's upsetting to me because they just think that it's just going to integrate with this big grid and... So there's a lot of great work that could be done if we were systems thinkers and more nuanced and asked the right questions. So right after I finished watching the movie, I got a ladder out and I went on the roof and I stripped off the solar panel <laughs> and I threw them on the ground. <laughs> they but now you're telling me I got to go, go up, back up and put them back up there and get this system operating again. Yeah. Yeah. I took, right. a sledgehammer. Right. I'm on it. I took a sledgehammer to mine. <laughs> yeah, you uh you needed to recycle that glass, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, guys, um All right, well, thanks for uh for talking this out with me cuz I was yeah. You're right. I was pulling my hair out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You still look good, man. Hope hope Well, you're go uh get out there and smash some solar panels. It's very therapeutic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll I'll uh, I'll I'll blame you guys when I get arrested. All right. Thanks, guys. Talk later.